what's up everybody i'm back i'm back here on the shuttle drive i have a guy that i've looked up to for a long time this is joe poyam the founder of dagger kayaks this guy you know i worked in harriman tennessee and i worked with this guy in the past and we also had some watermark time together so joe man how's it going buddy good thanks it's great to great to see you yeah man yeah joe i appreciate it yeah, thanks for coming on here, Joe. One, one, I'll go ahead and I'll start the questions. I'm just going to do kind of like more like a question and answer with you. I know you're a busy guy here. And where, where are you from originally, Joe? Augusta, Georgia. Augusta, it's Georgia. Good, it's a good place to be from. Well, there you go. I didn't know that. I actually thought you were born and raised in Clemson. Well, I learned something new today. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I, I, I think Clemson's where life changed for me for the better. So. Well, there you go. That, that's always good when you get life changing for the better. <laughs> I need more of those. Yeah, so we'll jump right into Dagger. For a lot of listeners that don't know, you were the founder. You and I think, correct me if I'm wrong here, Roy Gwynn, Steve Scarborough, Pete Chet. That's right. Yeah, see there? Yeah, I do. Still Good going. Job. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so the four of you guys decided to start a kayak company, and you called it Dagger Kayaks. I, actually, we decided a canoe. to start a canoe company. Canoe company. Let me correct you. It was called Dagger Canoes at first, correct? That's right. And there was a fact that I might, there was a rumor that I heard. Was it, where did you come up with the name Dagger? Was it from a Dagger Paddles? Yeah, and the, the history of that, history of the Dagger name being used for paddles goes back to Keith Backlund and Drew Hunter making paddles in the, ooh, maybe even in the, at least into the 70s, maybe into the 60s. Then that name was resurrected. Long story there that I'll spare you. Uh, resurrected again, wooden paddles in the late seventies. Was that in Long Creek area? The Ariel Market, which Ariel's a little village between Pickens and Easley. Oh, I, well, <laughs> I did not know that. Harmony paddles, New Wave paddles, Dagger paddles, all were made there at one point. I didn't know Harmony was made, but I didn't know. I did hear that the Dagger. So that's. So what gave you the idea to call it Dagger Canoes? Well, we, I remember we were meeting and talking about, well, what are we going to call this new company we're, talking, we're, we're discussing? And pretty quickly decided we weren't going to name it after any person. We didn't like that idea. Name it after a river, blah, blah, blah. We needed every advantage we could get because we had some pretty long odds against us and we had very little money. One thing, that if you don't have money, it's good to have credit. Establishing credit as a new business is not easy. We, we cheated the system a little bit by using the Dagger name. Steve had been in business as the Dagger Paddle Company Okay. For, at that point for, I don't know, five, six, 10 years. I don't know how long it was. Had established a legitimate business, small but legitimate business. And we basically piggybacked on that name for as for credit references that's really the reason reason we called it dagger was <laughs> that was the whole reason it worked and those were dagger wooden paddles correct that's right did he so steve scarborough he manufactured these himself or he had a factory that does it was he outsourcing uh, i don't think i would call manufacturer or factory aren't the right words but yeah they were made in a wood old wood shop of long creek academy in long creek well there you go <laughs> Well, Steve, that's... Had, Steve, Steve made a lot of, he was very hands-on, but it's... What, um, who came up with the Dagger logo, infamous design? Who well, came up there, with it? well, first of all, there's no doubt about where it came from. It came from a guy named Mike Womack. Okay. Uh, really great guy. My recollection of it, uh, and it, which is probably wrong, was that it literally showed up in the mail on my desk. 
we'd been waiting. We didn't use a logo for the first couple of years. It was, it was just, just dagger canoes. Just dagger. Just a dagger, and it was a little stylized. I said, no, I don't want it. I don't want a logo until we got the right logo. And then my recollection is, is like, I open up this envelope, and bam, there it is, from somebody I've never heard of. He sent it to you? Well, evidently, there's a little bit more to it than that. Tom Wyndham could tell the whole story. I think they had had some back and forth at some point. But basically, Mike came up with it on his own. To me, it was, I was like, that's one of the best logos I've ever seen. It's nice. It's a, correct me, it's a canoe with the water, the lines of the water, correct? Canoe, kayak, whatever you call it. But it's also abstract. It's also, it's also a, a dagger. And there are some uh, bar or worse, worse rated versions of what it means. But uh, Yeah. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not sure of your audience, so maybe we'll skip that one. No, I, I want to hear that. No, especially this audience. I'm going to go ahead. Uh, what was your vision when you thought, no, okay, but first you worked at Perception Kayak. Were you? What were you doing for Perception? Well, I had been, Perception basically evolved out of a group of us that were in, at Clemson together. And we paddled together and we made boats together. It's so incestuous here. It's just just as the kayak business is now, you know, yeah. it's very small. Like you're a good example of it. You've worked for multiple companies. Yeah. For what did you do at Perception? Were you, where is uh, it, was it small? So you were like assembly, rotomold, and was it just everything? Bill Masters, really the sort of the leader of the group all along. We started off making boats in Bill's backyard. He had a shed that was big enough to store some cloth in and maybe a drummer resin. I can't remember. If it, I think it was stored in there. But to lay up boats, we had to, we did it all outside, and we had to have good weather to do it. And that evolved into, you know, a, a little cottage industry. And then he rotomolded boats, started about 78. So anyhow, I knew Bill. He started rotomolding boats, and I, I was not around. I was – You, uh, I you did something be, else. Yeah, I tried being a banker and figured out I was not a banker. And during that time, Percept, Perception had established itself as a legitimate business. Uh, rotomolding. Yeah, rotomoting. Still small. There were probably 30. When I, when I went back there in 91 or 82, there were maybe 30 employees, some of some of whom, you know, Pete Jett ran the yeah. manufacturing. He was like VP of manufacturing. I don't know if that's the right title. You might, you probably remember Paul Broussard. I Ronald worked with Paul. Yeah. 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 Hand. There, was, there were some good guys there. Came back and took over marketing and sales. And I did that for five years. Yeah, so then the, the next question would be, okay, you're at Perception. What do yeah. you guys do? So it's like you and Pete, what do you say? I think we could, can do this ourselves. Well, Pete had left two or, two or three years before I did. Uh, at one point, he was president of Hydra Kayaks. Which, I remember Hydra, Knoxville, Tennessee. Yeah, not, not too many people will, but yeah. Yeah, Dragonfly. Long, long come and gone. And Dragonfly 2 and Dragonfly, yeah. Did, I did not quit. In fact, I had, I had other plans when I left Perception. Anyhow, I got offered a job by Blue Hole Canoe Company. I think my employment there lasted about a total of about four months. Well, where was Blue Hole located, by the way? Sunbright, Tennessee. Sunbright, is, yeah. yeah but is that, it, where, you know, did, is that where you learned uh, like how to do the thermoform canoes and Roylex plastic? How What I learned is pretty irrelevant because Roy Gwynn, one of the founders of Blue Hole and one is one of the earliest people molding Royal X. So, yeah. So he found Royal X, which was revolutionary, right? Yeah. Royal X was invented by Uniroyal 
which yeah, you know the oil tires. part of part of the oil tires tires yeah back in the in the early 70s and they didn't know what to do with it and they reached out to a lot of people never did find a whole lot of uses for it but it was really good for making for making canoes abrasion uh, resistance yeah <laughs> Yeah, it had a lot of had a lot of good qualities. They they actually started off making canoe hulls themselves, and they would they made the canoe Unaroy made canoes. They, they made the canoe hull reception, Old Town, Mad River, Blue Hull, all bought what what became known as Warsaw rockets because they were made in Warsaw, Indiana, and they would drive up there with these big trailers and bring all those halls back, outfit them. You know, everybody had their own outfitting, but it was all the same hall. Yeah. Oh, wow. Really no technology in the hall or anything. It was probably just a generic canoe shape, right? It was. It was very... Because you didn't have have actual, like, you know, people that knew how to paddle probably designing it, right? I think that's true. I was not involved in that, but I think that's a safe statement based on the design, based on what that design is. That evolved into them making, everybody making their own equipment to to mold it, which was not that sophisticated. Yeah, it's thermoform. Yeah, just vac-formed ovens. Yeah, yeah, you've seen it. I've worked with Roy doing it, yeah. That dude would move a thousand miles an hour, slapping them damn five scripts down. (laughs) It would kill me. And I was like 19 years old, he, he 500 degrees. What gave you the idea, Where what came up with Harriman, Tennessee? Why that little well, small okay. t- or midtown, so, yeah. I had moved to Tennessee to work for Blue Hall, was falling apart. Pete and Roy and Steve and I, I had recruited, Steve basically recruited me up to, to work for Blue Hall. He knew they were failing. That was a big part of his income was not only making paddles, but he also designed canoes blue hole and he wasn't getting paid royalties owed him roy- they owed him royalties so he thought well if i can get joe up there and they'll get their feet on the ground I'll, maybe i'll get some royalty it was a mess so we made an offer to the a third of the company and another gentleman on two-thirds and we made an offer to the other guy buy him out to, which basically was bail him out of debt uh give him a small interest in a new new company that in the existing company keep, let him re- maintain a small interest in blue hole his answer was sort of uh not no but hell no oh really so we said well let's let's start a canoe company ourselves and i was uh, i was under a non-compete contract with perception uh, how long two years Um, lawyers told me you know five thousand dollars max that it it would cost me to get out of it but you asked one of yeah can i give you an iou (laughs) Yeah, that it was unenforceable, but I mean, I felt like that's what I'd agreed to. That's what I'm going to do. Anyhow, so for the first two years, we only made canoes. Because Perception didn't make canoes, so you technically was not violating your non-compete. Right, right. I, I, they were not in the canoe business, and we were. And one of the things that happened that really ticked us off was they were not in the canoe business, Then, but they hired a canoe designer to design boats to compete against us. Wow. To go into the canoe business just to try to, try to keep us from getting established. And that is, that, we didn't like that so much. Well, that that's another question I have for you. So the name Response, was that an actual stab at perception? It was a response to what they were doing with the dancer? That's what no, someone told me one time. Where did the uh, name response come up? Your first uh, roller kayak, right? It, it was. That was the first kayak we did. I have no recollection whatsoever about 
where that name came from. It might have just been a meeting. Yeah, one of those random meetings, and they just uh, pulled names. I can out. tell you, I can tell probably that. Well, the second boat was the Crossfire, and I can tell you almost exactly how that boat was named. It was. Okay. It was we had come. We were coming out with our second boat, and the name for it was that we'd come up with was Pirouette. We had logos designed. We had little flyers printed. We ran ads about the the Dagger Pirouette. And, yeah. <laughs> oh wow! I never knew that. Yeah, and then we got a letter from, from Perception from lawyers on exactly saying, you cannot use this name because we have rights to this name. Well, that really was not the case. We could have used the name, but we decided it's just not, this is, you know, life's too short. It's not worth fighting over. Yeah. Anyhow, I remember I'd been at Rock Island and I was driving back. This was right about the time Stevie Ray Vaughan was killed. They were, a lot of his music was on the radio. And I heard the song Crossfire. And that's, oh. and it's like, that's a good name for a boat. We'll call there you that go. Boat. <laughs> so we came out with the Crossfire, and then three or four months later, Perception came out with the Pirouette. Yeah, I always wondered where that name uh, Crossfire response because I'd heard that it was something. So I might have miss I might have misinterpreted that that it was. So it was actually the pirouette. That story I've heard something about what you just told me about them saying you can't use that and all that. So the Crossfire just came out of your head from a Stevie Ray Vaughan song. Yeah, from, from a song. Let's hear the song. Great song, by the way. Yeah. So then after the Crossfire, I think that was probably close to like the. Was that close to the free fall? Mm, free fall might have been the third boat yeah i think it probably was and for everyone everyone listening the free fall was one of the revolutionary kind of safety kayaks back in the day from dagger you guys put like a wider cockpit everyone went they used to put these little c1 style cockpits on them the free fall went with a wider cockpit it had a really blunt nose and very it had like a peak deck i think on it and very good distributed uh volume so it was kind of like so, ahead of its time. Yeah, I think, well, you know, there were sort of two real, some, some people might challenge me on this. I think this is pretty true. There were sort of two di- real different directions where paddling was going. In Europe, they were going, they, they were much more, they had big cockpit boats. Yeah. And they had big high volume boats. They, the way they paddled was, I mean, and this is a little odd to say because they were all these great slalom racers and, you know, incredible paddlers come out of it. You know, recreational paddlers and creekers, you know, they would just bomb down these rivers, you know, yeah. and I paddled, yeah. paddled with a lot, a lot of these, you know, Germans and, and Austrians. And Very strong paddlers. Great paddlers, but, you know, it wasn't so much, you know, catching eddies and, you know, it wasn't much the way we paddled. They would just bomb down. Whereas we were more, we were mostly out at that point, we're all paddling dancers, but, you know, we're playing and we're, zipping in and out of eddies and you know we're in long pointy boats with little cockpits that are more dangerous and the free fall i thought was really a step boat design it was more more much more much more european no doubt took a lot of influence from there the europeans i think learned a lot more about our style of paddling over there from creek boating and all that bulkhead foot braces and all that you know came came out yeah Yeah, and for everyone listening at the time there was like plastic or i think yakima made some rails it was like there was foot pegs and they would slide apart like along these tracks and if you ever pitoned or hit something it would break your ankles i I sprained both my ankles really bad on section one of the chatuga back in just running into a rock probably 1981 yeah it was not it was a 
I, I forget. I don't know the name of the drop. Yeah, well, the bulkhead foot brace definitely revolutionized. It the, it's still the, used uh, today. The free fall was. So, I think it was probably our most significant boat. Uh, number one and real obvious, it was the first boat we ever did in multicolor. Yeah, so because up to that point, like all the perceptions, and I think it's probably no one was doing it because they were no, all like no, blue, no, yellow. They would just do straight. Every, every everything was solid colors. Nothing. There's no such thing as a multicolor guy. And I think, and you were probably using Crosslink, right? We were using Crosslink. We showed up at OR, Outdoor Retailer Trade Show. That used to be a big Uh, thing for people listening. It was huge. And we showed up purple and white, multicolor, free fall. Oh, that was probably a hit. People were blown away. They were blown away. Never seen anything like it. Everybody coming over scratching it. The boat was so different. The color. The the other thing, and of course, that cockpit was very significant for the U.S. to go with it keyhole style cockpit with that, with the ability to pull your knees out by today's standard that cockpit's kind of small but yeah exactly at the time you know everybody had john mason and all these people hated us because they i gotta go redesign all these brace skirts actually yeah. they liked it because they had they got to sell a yeah lot of new john skirts. mason with uh new mountain skirts. surf they got to sell a lot of new, new skirts yeah they got they have to upsell now the other thing which you can relate to was that was the first kayak ever a rotomotive boat that the cockpit was the seam was on the side up to that point all kayaks split the mold split on the top and you had a left half and a right half instead yeah. of a top and a bottom now all boats are done that way you know it was it, it just it opened up so many new possibilities compared to having a left half and a right half for example doing uh, doing complex multicolors, you know. Yeah, because that gives you the whole the whole deck lay plastic, exactly. and then you leave exactly. it down like that and heat that and get that. So who figured that out? Where did that come out? The guy that made the mold for us asking, he said, he, he said, I can make molds for you. And we talked about it, and I remember him saying, I remember saying, Warren, you really think you can make a kayak mold? Cause he he has a casting it. shop? No, it wasn't cast. <laughs> it, was hammer, it was hammered aluminum. And yeah. <laughs> And he said, I said, Warren, you really think you can make this? He says, I don't know, but I sure as shit want to try. And this was pre-internet, so he couldn't research it. He had to actually probably get on the phone and call people and figure it out or just figure it out, right? He was, he was, he was a Kiwi. He was a really clever guy. We bought that oven for $40,000. And it was a clamshell oven, right? Yeah, clamshell opens up like this, yep. and there was nothing with it. It was just the oven. So we first, first Pete and I went out there, and we heard this oven was for sale. Pete and I go out there. We've never met this man. He said, he said, don't even bother coming if you don't have cash. We flew out there on frequent flyer miles. We didn't have any money at all. We got there, talked a lot. I think he liked us, and we finally came down and said, we want to buy this oven. We're gonna, I'm going to be honest with you. We don't have $40,000. What, what if we do this? And I don't remember the specifics of it. And I thought, there's no way he's going to buy this. Put on my best sales effort, and sure enough, he took a chance on us. And uh, we brought it back. So what did you get the oven for? $40,000. With an IOU, what would you do? Oh, I think we paid him $5,000 down and financed the rest of it. And just told him as it gets going. What was he using the oven for? He was making uh, rotomoted surfboards and windsurfers. Sailboards, yeah. Well, it, it yeah. went on to make a lot of kayaks. And it, did, and, and it showed up, and it was it had fallen through the side of the truck on the way out here. Oh, wow. Which was, it was, that was, that was the scariest moment in all of Dagger. I mean, it we thought we're out the of future of the company. We're out of business. And if you if you remember that oven, 
to uh, the whole time it was used, it had a crunch in it. It was the one that was in the ground, right? It was the smallest one. It was, we used it, we moved it to easily. So anyhow, when we started rotomoting, we were rotomoting in that, in that harem, a gravel floored building, which was just like uh, a hangar. Metal building, no insulation, wooden rafters, gravel floor. So we started rotomoting in there with a, a winch on a railroad tie up in the in yeah. the uh, yeah. and that was you had one mold the response mold right yeah we had one mold and Did we you? had we had no cooling fans we literally brought our fans from home <laughs> just like an old box fan huh <laughs> that's what we had whatever we had everybody brought their fans from home and when a boat would come out of the oven we we had we would go plug all these individual fans in and start cooling cooling them that way pallets in front of the oven that's why that's the way you got up access the oven was just standing on pallets wow think think about what happens when a gaylords of resin show up and you don't have a forklift and you've got a gravel gravel floor so we took we would take sheets of royal x and move boxes of ground on on the sheets of royal x on an engine hoist it sounds like you guys are building the pyramids. <laughs> you're like, you're like, uh, for people that don't know, a Gaylord of uh, resin, thousand pounds, fifteen hundred. Thousand pounds, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and this was back when you mix colors, right? You got natural and pigment, and you mixed them. No, or was that super never, linear? No, we didn't do that. You, you wouldn't dare do that with Crosslink. Yeah. Okay, and Crosslink was very dangerous for your health it was it was it's not that good for the employees uh it's not recyclable there were a lot of reasons to move away from it yeah we took took a lot of flack when we did but yeah i mean it's good plastic but it's i mean there's so many advantages to super yeah we could talk for an hour about that yeah (laughs) yeah so the r&d shop uh at the time so when you first started I guess it was all steve scarborough right yeah originally the all the boats were designed in Long Creek. Did he but use he, CAD he, or was he? Yes. He, Steve was one of the very first people to use, to use a computer to design canoes oh, or kayaks. And, and this was like, yeah, early, like 80s, 90s. Yeah, so computers right, were probably right, just garbage right, back then. He was using a Commodore computer, which so people archaic. playing Pong on. Yeah, exactly. So archaic. And it, it, it would run, these things would run all night. Just to render a file. A five meg to print out the stations, which are the slices through the design yeah. that we and you stack see. slices up to make a boat. Well, no, we would we would we would space them and then feeder strip over. Yeah, you know, make them feed for a prototype. Well, for, which would also become the plot. So we can go back to the free fall, for example. Designed the designed the boat. We talked we talked a lot about what we wanted to do, what we wanted to be. Steve designed it. We were in a hurry to get this done. So the only um, test paddling that was done on that boat was we went to the little park, county park, and we took the boat out, paddled it around. I said, Steve, I like it. I love it. We had just done the crossfire fall. He had a pretty low deck in the back. He had a nice high peak deck in the front. You know, he almost had a precursor to a half slice. It was almost- Before anyone else was doing it. Really that low, but I I wanted more volume in the stern. I wanted that. I didn't want any way for that stern for water to be coming up, like overloading overloading that stern. So we went back and added inch and a half, maybe, of depth to the stern, and that's all we did. That was it. No testing on the next. uh, The response, though, Chris Spies and I, uh, really great boaters from NOC, got in it. We took it to the dip 
on the tuck of CG at the very first place, broke the nose off of it. Oh, wow. This, this was a prototype. Yeah, but, you know, those prototypes became the plug from which the molds were made. Yeah. I think yeah. they had to redo the response. A lot of them, Freefall, for example, we didn't redo. A lot of a lot of the boats, all the canoes we did, none of those canoes test on the water until later on. I think that's and so, so here in the U.S., the only two really, like, top rotomotive kayaks at the time was the Dancer and the Response, right? Yeah, the dancer just own dominated the market. Yeah, they were they they were probably actually actually right up just about the time we were. I think we'd already designed the response. Corin Addison had gone to work for Perception. I mean, I wasn't there, so I could be wrong. I think he was primarily responsible, sort of going away from the dancer concept, and he did. He, I'm sure Alan Stansel worked with him. Corsica, the original Corsica. And I remember Chris Spies. We so we took a we took the the Corsica and Chris and I pounded it and Chris said, man, if this, if this is our competition, we're going to, we're going to kick butt. Love it. (laughs) Well, moving on, I guess one, another one that really stands out is the dagger outburst. I guess that was kind of like, that was a Mark Lyle thing, right? No, that was a Chris Spelius boat. That was all Chris Spelius. That, that boat. Well, and by, by saying his boat, it was a boat that he wanted. Yeah. You know, a, a longer, yeah, he paddled slalom. Probably at, at that time, anyhow, was sort of maybe the, the premier big water paddler in the world. You know, yeah. Niagara Gorge and Fudalafu and all those early, you know, early trips on all those things. And when, uh, when you guys, we were, we were good friends. We, were, we had paddled a lot together. So. Yeah. He, his uh, name is definitely with Dagger for, I mean, from the start, right? Like yeah, with the, yeah. with the, oh, yeah. Yeah. When you we used him in the very first ads and going on, probably the next big standout boat that comes up in everybody's mind is the Dagger RPM. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. If you think about it, and that was probably 95, 96, which it was, 99, it, was it came out in 1996. And because you got to think, I guess at the time, Dagger had only been molding kayaks for about five to six years at that point. And that RPM just revolutionized, you know, I mean, any funny still today that RPM is still selling. <laughs> It's crazy. Yeah. And how many, you know, people ask me, Joe, what's, what's your favorite boat of all time or whatever. And I'm like, RPM, it put my kids through college. (laughs) Personally, I wasn't that big of a fan of it. I don't know. I just never really took the RPM. I liked it, but I wanted more. I wanted more. And then what, I I guess because I came around when the slicey boat started taking off the medieval, the ultrafuge, centrifuge. And I, to me, it felt like the RPM was too big. And yeah, I mean, see, that's where I kind of diverged, you know, when yeah. the boats kept getting shorter and shorter. And I was like, man, just like, just, uh, I, all the souls I, I out of them. I don't want, I want more speed. Now you put me in a green boat or something like that. Amazing. You know, yeah. I love the long boats. I love you. I mean, I, I'll still paddle slicey boats from time to time, but just a good downriver fast boat. I love it. So yeah, no, I appreciate it more now, but back then I was like, no, yeah. give me that cool hip design. It just looked aggressive and cool. Yeah. So that, man, that's awesome because the, the RPM went on to sell, you know, who knows millions and millions. We were making about 8,000 a year of, of one. Had boat. two molds of it, right? We had two molds there. There was also a mold in England. And Palm. Exactly. There was also a mold in Australia. What made you decide to sell Dagger in, I'm thinking it was around 98 or 99 to it was a company. 98. 98 to a company called Watermark. What, how did that come down? Was it, was Dagger, was it, was it just, were you just tired of doing it or you just wanted out or how did that come about? A lot of a lot of things were going on. Yeah, you know, we were growing rapidly. And yeah, it was the heyday. We were, 
good things ahead, but there was also there was also risk. Personally guaranteed about six million dollars of loans. You know, I had nothing other than than Dagger. You know, and if Dagger failed, you know, I was I was you know I was bankrupt. Yeah, and and you guys weren't taking like a big salary, right? Because no, I think I might have been making fifty thousand dollars a year. I can't remember. And and like the owner of a company. Was, yeah. Right. I'm I'm the I'm the you know, the top guy. So no, we were paying ourselves very little. I got kids that have got to get educated. Got a call from a guy saying we're interested in in investing or into or buying your company. And it's like, well, we'll talk to you. It went from there. And so so we had a lot of a lot of debt. We also had one of our shareholders was needing buy his shares or he could sell them to anybody. Yeah. So we didn't yeah. want, we didn't want that to happen. So we were having not, not only do we not have money, we're having to come up with money to buy it, you know, and they came and offered, made a, a good offer, which ended up being negotiated, the details of which were negotiated for, for months. But you what know, a lot of people was, didn't know, they owned Yakima. So Yakima racks, the rocket boxes were manufactured in easily. They bought Yakima, Perception, and Dagger. Correct. Yeah, and, and they had it all and, uh, in that building, and they ended, they bought Church's fried chicken, and they bought Caribou coffee, and they bought Cirrus aircraft, and they bought a. So, it, bought a, oh, a, I'm a, sure the outdoor stuff was about that big for their investments. Well, but Dag- Dagger was their very first investment. That same night, they purchased Perception. They closed the deal on Perception. We were on one floor uh, hammering out the final details, and Bill Masters and his wife were three or four floors down below us, and they were. We weren't sure if it, the Perception sale was going to happen or not. So, because at the at the time, there there wasn't many kayak manufacturers in the U.S., so it was really just Dagger, Perception, and Wavesport making whitewater at that time. There may have been somebody else, but I can't think of who it was. In just the U.S., this was a U.S. market, yeah. Right, and, right. And Piranha, Piranha was selling boats over and here. And Prion's Piranha been sold. around forever. Yeah, yeah. Was that your ultimate thing you wanted to do with Dagger, get it to a point? Or We didn't have we didn't have any long-term plans. Yeah, yeah we, it was we, so it was just you guys just winging it. Absolutely. <laughs> That's awesome. No, absolutely. It was <laughs> it was it was winging it the whole time, and we we winged it. We thought we we had plans more to satisfy our bankers than anything. So so you sold it, and but you stayed in kind of as in a consulting role with Watermark. I was in charge of all the boat brands and all, even before. Well, for a long for for the first couple of years, they kept we kept Perception and Dagger very separated. Noah, I was overseeing what was happening with the with the perception on the perception side of, you know, I could, one of them had to give because they were separate and competing at the exact same time. Yeah. And in, in whitewater. Yeah. In white, and I'm only talking whitewater. Yeah. Right, right. And then when Shane and Woody and Steve Jordan, Tom Dempsey and all took off and started liquid logic, there were no boat designs. There was, there was nothing. I mean, there was perception fell off the map. Cause yeah, I think, I think so they fast. tried they tried to kind of like do something. I yeah, think we had, we had Jeff West. I brought, I brought Rob Kelly in. Jeff um, West did a Lucid. Jeff West, um, Dave Mon did a did a boat. Yeah, you know, but it was just you know there was just no man. I was trying to I was trying to salvage. You, re- you really did, yeah. I really did. Were you there during the? Because I wasn't there for this. The confluence came through and bought out. I guess Watermark got out of it and put it up for sale. I was very involved in that. This was 2005, <laughs> correct? And for everybody, you know, Confluence was at the time, I guess it was Wilderness Systems, Wave Sport, and Mad River, correct? Yeah, yeah. 
yeah, it was like those three, maybe something else in there, but the, the ones that stand out was those three. And right. then they were in High Point, North Carolina. They had a factory there. Yeah. Confluence, I guess, was the owners of that. And they. That was Confluence. No, it was owned by private equity. I think they were a private uh, group out of uh, Bethesda. Maryland. Okay. Well, well, in closing here, how do you feel like looking at it now? I know you don't do like a lot of social media or not, but you kind of see where Dagger is now. Is it not like what, what, how do you see Dagger now? Well, first off, I'll say I'm, I've been paddling a, a, yeah. What's uh, the boat you, uh, you you're paddling? I'm, right? pad, I'm paddling a rewind medium. And yeah. What a sweet boat. Is it not a great boat? I just don't need much else in a boat. You know, I, I don't do the things in a boat you do, but, but regardless, I mean, I, I like it. I like some edge. I like, I like zip. I like, you know, I don't want a squishy Creek boat, you know, so, yeah. you know, for paddling the Chattooga and places Koei like that. And stuff, yeah. yeah. It's just, it's just every, it's just everything I need. So. Well, you guys hear that the, the founder of dagger here, it's bragging on the rewind on how well that boat is. It's a really well-designed boat. It's, that's, I mean, there are a lot, there are a lot of other good boats out there. I know. And I, and I don't even know the names, you know, but everybody's, yeah. everybody's got a half slice boat. I mean, I, before that I've been paddling the Jackson Anik. 2.0 or one. The first version. And I wish, and I'd wished it was a little longer and I would have liked it even more. What did they do? They made it a little longer and fixed a, fix a couple issues on the knee, it. The knee issue. Know. Yeah. That's a great boat, you know. Yeah. I would, you know, the, the only thing I don't like about the rewind and any boat now is they're just so heavy. It's just yeah, carrying rotor molded seats, rotor molded pillars, really, really hard. Yeah, it's really. Hard. I think that's an industry problem. Oh, you know, I'm just glad Dagger's still going. They're still, you know, I'm staying in touch with Scott Byers. Snowy's a really good friend that I, yeah. you know, he's still doing the boats. And I'm really thankful that that's you know Andy Knight and crew are carrying the flag over and in Europe and doing a doing a good job over there the company's 33 years old the brand's 30 years old now and we should have had a third of a century party yeah a third of us well i could do a party every year joe if you want to party all the time i'm down <laughs> we'll go ahead and wrap this up but man i i really appreciate you coming on you've definitely been one of my kind of looked up to you throughout the years and i appreciate what you got what you've done you know you and your team there has done to you know push paddle sports and dagger kayaks and you know it's still going strong so yeah man definitely thanks for that well and, uh, it was a lot of good people and, and yourself included that you look at the team we had and the people that were involved it was awesome <laughs> it's no it's i mean it's amazing it's no wonder it was successful yeah this is joe and i'm glad he came on so take it easy man thanks Wayne.